We're in Psalm 13 uh, this evening. Pretty short psalm compared to some of the ones we've done. to find it and then Psalm 13? Yeah, Psalm 13. I'll read it out loud for us. How long O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. So whenever uh, we experience a setback, in life, we, we hope, of course, that it's just a temporary setback, but we'll get right back up uh, when, that we, when we veer off course, that we'll soon right, get right back on track. But sometimes we experience suffering and disappointment that persists, uh, right? They, that, that lingers. Uh, and we wait and we hope, wait and we hope and pray, but it doesn't lift. Um, and so then our changed circumstances, our suffering then becomes a new norm, and then we begin to kind of flounder uh, and to lose hope. And that's the kind of suffering that the psalmist is experiencing here. Uh, He's crying out in desperation, verses 1 and 2, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Um, We don't know exactly what that he was dealing with, uh, but he talks about an enemy in the singular and foes in uh, plural in verse 4. So it may have been kind of an abstract enemy like a sickness or uh, maybe just facing death. Uh, or it could be more concrete enemies like a military adversary or, or something. Or, but it's, the fact that he uses goes from singular enemy to plural foe seems to have mean that he has a lot of different things in mind, just collectively things that are ailing him and making him suffer. And the cry, how long, really kind of communicates the pent-up uh, you know, yearning and a longing and years of waiting. It's not just that he's suffered you know, for a few days now and he's crying, but he's, he's been suffering for a long time and he's crying out to him, Lord, how much longer? I can't endure much longer, God. So how long? How long? And, and it hurts especially more for him because of the uncertainty. He doesn't know how long it's going to be. He doesn't know when God's going to come to deliver. So he's just in the midst of it, and he's crying out to him, how long? He doesn't see, I mean, when you're in a race, right, and you see the finish line, you find new vigor in your muscles, right? And, or you see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you can strive to the end. But for, for the psalmist, he doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. He doesn't see the finish line. So he's just crying, how long, God? And, uh, and I think this, 
for if you could think about maybe the lowest moments in your life, uh, but I think of maybe people who have suffered for decades, uh, maybe a single person who's been waiting for decades to get married, right? Being uh, uh, crying out for someone uh, that they can spend life with, and uh, maybe someone that's been going through chemotherapy for four or five years, right? And uh, and cancer keeps coming back stronger. Or someone that maybe a woman that's been trying to have a child but has been infertile, been miscarrying, uh, and it's just it's all of these people suffering and then crying out how long. It's the kind of cry that's here in the psalmist's uh, longing, and and uh, he says, "How long, Lord? So what about your promises, O God? Is this the green pasture that you promised me? Is this the the is why have you turned your face from me? Where's the light of your countenance shining on me?" and and because of the suffering, uh, and so he sees t- there's two poles, right? There's God whom he's crying out to and then the enemy that he's facing, the source of his troubles. And as he looks at those things, he feels, as the enemy's in ascendancy, he feels that he's been abandoned by God. And so he cries, so will you forget me forever? In verse uh, 2, how long will you hide your face from me? Uh, he's, he's, and he feels as the God's hiding from him. And because of that, it's, this is such a sad picture. He says, uh, how long must I, must I take counsel in my soul? So, you know, when you're suffering, you, find, find, you look for counselors. You seek, seek advice. You just try to seek solutions. And you, your mind's going up all the rest of But the psalmist, he takes counsel in his soul. He's alone in his struggle and his suffering. And he has sorrow in his heart all the day. Uh, and, and all of the suffering is exacerbated by the fact that he feels that his God, his Lord, his confidant, his helper, his defender has abandoned him. Um, and because that's the main issue here, that he feels that he's been abandoned by God, he says to him in verse 3, he prays, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So the word consider can be literally translated as uh, it's to look. It's, it's to look at me. Uh, it's uh, when uh, my daughter Ine really wants my attention because she knows that sometimes I'm distracted. She'll, she'll say, look at my face. Look at me. <laughs> and then she'll tell me something that she really wants to tell me. So it's kind of like this. the psalmist feels that God's hidden his face from him. So he says, look at me, Lord. Where are you? Why have you hidden from me? Look at me. And then answer me, Lord. And because if he doesn't, he's going to uh, sleep the sleep of death. Uh, he doesn't have light in his eyes. And this is uh, connected to the covenant promise that God had given Israel. Uh, the covenant uh, blessing that priests were supposed to pronounce upon Israel was in number six. It says, The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. So that was the promise that God would be have his face turned toward us. He would shine on us but that he feels that God's turned his face from him. And because of that, he doesn't have light in his eyes, which is uh, kind of a metaphorical way in Hebrew language of referring to really life. Uh, in, strength in one's eyes was considered to be uh, vigor and strength for life. You see that in the uh, description of Moses at the end of his life. It says that he was not weak in his eyes, which just indicate that he was strong till the end of, time, end of his uh, life. And uh, so he's, 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 he's grieving and he's, he's dying and he's asking God, if you don't help me, I'm going to sleep the sleep of death. 
And so you can kind of picture light beaming around them. Everything's fading. Uh, and then as he's, beginning, as he's beginning to drown in the, the flood of grief and pain and sorrow, he puts a stop to this uh, with uh, a declaration of faith in verses 5 and 6. He says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And uh, note the tenses in the verbs here. That's really helpful, illuminating. Because it says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. He's already done that. And therefore, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So the psalmist has already trusted in God's steadfast love. And that's why he has the confidence that he's going to be able to sing uh, and rejoice in God's salvation. Because he believes that God has already dealt bountifully with him. And so faith in the present leads to hope for the future. Uh, But uh, this leads us to ask a question, though, because Psalmist had just been talking about uh, how God hid his face from him. Then how come all of a sudden he thinks God's dealt bountifully with him, right? Um, And and it's not that he's trying to, you know, lie to himself or play a mind trick on himself to convince himself that God's been good to him when he's actually been wicked toward him. But it, he's trusting uh, in faith. His circumstances has, have not changed. He's still in the midst of his suffering, but his attitude has changed. His posture has changed. And now he has decided to trust in God's steadfast love. Uh, that God, in the, midst of this, all of, in, the, in the midst of all of the suffering that he's experiencing, loves him. That his love has not changed toward him. And uh, C.S. Lewis uh, writes about this in his book, The Problem of Pain. He says, when pain is to be born, a little courage helps more than much knowledge, a little human sympathy more than much courage, and the least tincture of the love of God more than all. Right? So courage helps more than knowledge. Uh, people's sympathy helps more than uh, uh, courage. But the least tincture of the love of God helps more than all. Right? Because if you might, we might not have knowledge. We might not know why we're suffering. Um, and we might... Uh, not, we might be lonely in our suffering. We might have some people who are sympathizing with us, uh, but even then, uh, suffering tends to be isolating. Right? We feel as though no one else truly understands. Right? Uh, we might be just fed up with putting on a brave face and trying to face the suffering. We're just, just done. Uh, we're at the end of our ropes and crying out, how long? Yet in the midst of that, when we remember that God loves us, that, that his love is steadfast, as it says, that it's unchanging, that it's constant, that gives us hope because then even, though, even the suffering, the evil, everything that we're enduring is coming from ultimately from the hands of a sovereign God, the superintendent of the loving God who, who is, has our good in mind, who has our interest in mind. Uh, and, and because of that, because when we remember that, that steadfast love, then we can endure, then we can persevere, even the most severe uh, suffering. It's, it's in a way kind of like, you know, when we have someone that we really love and trust, uh, you know, they can tell us things about us that no one else would dare tell us about, right? And that's because we trust them and we know that they love us. So we give them the benefit of the doubt. So even when they say something really harsh, you know, we, they, you know he loves me. So we, we, we give him the benefit of the doubt as opposed to getting really defensive and being hurt when someone tells you that. When it's coming from someone that loves you, we uh, trust them. So in the same way, when we experience suffering at, at the hands of God, 
uh, our loving God, then we can endure while trusting in His steadfast love. Um, and for for us as uh, believers, we have an even greater assurance than the psalmist does, uh, right? Because he sent his son Jesus Christ to to die for us, and in demonstrating it in, in an ultimate uh, way, in an unmistakable way, his faithful love, his steadfast love toward us, and that's uh, what Second Corinthians four six talks about. It says, "For God, who said." Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So when we behold the face of Christ, that's where we see most clearly the light of God shining on us. So then in the midst of suffering, then we can look to Jesus. When we feel the light is fading from our eyes, we can look to Jesus and see the light of God shining us and be assured of his love and faithfulness. And, and if you're not suffering today, I hope that you remember that when you encounter your uh, severe suffering and that you can use this to comfort others who are suffering as well. Uh, so let's uh, pray.